shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. It is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. This is episode 112 of the Human Hope Podcast. I got a question. What you gonna do when I'm finally here for you? Hey! Welcome to the Here For You Tour Edition of the Human Hope Podcast. My name is Carlos Enrique Wittiquet Guzman Archibol Cabello. Or Los for short. And uh, guys, we are out here on the road in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota. Is that how Minnesotans say Minnesota? I'm so happy to be here. Last night was night one of the Here For You tour. And I'm telling you, fun was had. Fun was had. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you may be thinking, well, Carlos, wait a second. Aren't you in your basement right now when you're recording this? Like, I, I, I see the I see the whole thing behind you. Like, isn't that, uh, that's weird that you, were, you would say fun was had? Okay, yes, I'm actually recording this from home the day before we leave to tour. Just the intro. But I promise you that we had fun. And I guarantee you, we had fun. So I'm prophesying, prophesizing, prophesizing, prophesying. What, what, how do you say it? About the fun that we had on tour and that we're having on tour. And as you guys listen to this, we're, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my very first headlining tour. I'm not the opening band anymore. Like I'm on stage all night and Annie and I are trying with everything we can to be here for you as you have been here for us. I feel like I'm not doing English very well today, but that's okay. Lots of words every single night that I'm speaking on. And, you know, I, um, obviously I'm talking about my, on, on tour, I'm talking about my book, How to Human, bringing in maybe a little bit different of a spin on it than I have been speaking on it the last year, because I was speaking on it before the book came out. But yeah, I just, 
I'm so excited that you're coming out with me and hanging out with me. I, I last weekend was in Des Moines, which I was saying Des Moines for way too long in my life, but I was in Des Moines and I don't know, there was like 50 Insta Familia that came to a, the Insta Familia meetup. I just felt loved and um, supported. And I just, I love meeting you in the wild. So knowing that I'm not doing any Insta Familia on this tour, none, no Insta Familia meet, meetups on this tour. The only way to hang out with me in, your, in these cities is to come to tour. And um, can I tell you again, just real quick, if I type in on my laptop, hereforyoutour.com, and I go to tickets and I click on general admission, 29 bucks. That is three venti skinny hazelnut lattes. I did the math. Give up three venti skinny hazelnut lattes. Just get the regular coffee, not like pour over coffee from the fancy coffee shop, but I'm talking about like go to like, like the grocery store and like pull down on the coffee lever, get yourself a 99 cent coffee and come hang out with Annie and I on the here for you tour, because we are, we're doing it. I, you, you guys, hopefully you, you hopped in the conversation last week and got to hear from Annie and myself on some of the things that we're going to be doing and talking about, but I think it really is going to be a night that your heart and soul are going to be filled and refreshed. I may step on your toe once or twice, maybe one toe, but if you're in tomorrow night, we'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Indianapolis, Indiana, Columbus, Ohio, Charlotte, North Carolina, Franklin, Tennessee, Chicago, Illinois, Florence, Kentucky, Kansas City, Missouri, Dallas, Texas, and Austin, Texas. Those are where we are going to be. I would love to see you. Just head to hereforyoutour.com. If you want to hang out, there's a VIP, well, it's kind of like a post-party ticket level that you can get as well. And I'm just going to be, that will be like the Insta Familia meetup in the evenings. So that's what I just, it's all tour right now because I'm on my first tour and I'm so pumped. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. And also thank you for just your feedback last week uh, with Al. How good was that? Oh my goodness. If you haven't, that was just my daughter dropping something over here behind me. She's she's actually, Sayana, at the point of listening to this recording, is out with me on tour as my tour assistant. So either she is fired and back home or she's still going to be out. out there. Come, come here, Sayana. Come on. Come over. Come, come over here. Put the headphone on. Say hi to everybody. Say hi to everybody. Hey, are, are, are you excited about going on tour? Um, yes. Okay, that yes sounded <laughs> that yes sounded weird. We'll unpack that. I'm a little nervous. It's my first time ever doing this. And what's this? Like working on a tour. I've been on like tours with you, like right. growing up and stuff. Right. But so I'm a little nervous, but I'm glad it's with you. But what are you going to be doing on the tour? I'm going to be doing all of your merch mm. and then just kind of be your second hand. Yes, and you'll be doing my VIP. Yes. So if they come to my VIP, they can meet you. And also, more things. I know know you're busy. You're trying to go, I have new merch for the tour. Yes, you do. I have new merch for the tour. So exclusive tour tour merch. Okay, thanks, Say. Yes, of course. All right. (laughs) Oh, that was free, guys. That was good. Oh, man. So anyway, excited about that. But I got interrupted. I was talking about Al. And just what a great conversation it was. It was so good. And y'all, I'm going to, con- we're just going to continue on like, what's great about the amount of therapy that I've done in my life is like, I just keep inviting all of the therapists or all of the program directors of programs that I've been through. And, you know, I talked about last week how Al was the catalyst to get me to go to onsite, which is what I wrote Kill the Spider about, right? My seven days in onsite. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today, today we have the man, the myth, the legend, and a great friend of mine, Miles Adcox, who is the CEO of 
of on-site workshops. Miles and this program have not only radically changed the trajectory of my life, but so many people's lives. If you've read my book, Kill the Spider, the story arc is on-site. It is my seven days there. It's when I got face-to-face with my spider. It's when I found my spider. And I t- when I talk about spider, I think I've got an episode about Kill the Spider. Hopefully I do. Haley, my podcast manager, will find out if I do or not. And we'll put that in show notes. If not, I've got to do a whole podcast on that. Uh, listen, I'm on episode 112 now. I've now forgotten what I did at episode 22, okay? But all that to say, my book, so many of you loved, and the book changed your life, and you tell me that all the time. We're going to hear today from Miles, who on site is his, I don't want to say his baby, because he, he doesn't, it's not like his baby, but he, it, it is his heartbeat. He, it's his thing. He runs the whole thing. And so today we have Miles on here. And so I'm going to go and talk about my journey there at Onsite and also just some of the experiential therapy that happened there. We're going to do a little bit here. Miles is going to talk about the importance of some of that stuff. If you loved Kill the Spider, this is going to open your eyes into like more of like a backstage pass as to what was happening with me at Onsite. And maybe even give some of you a moment of clarity where you're like, maybe maybe I can do something else besides just talk therapy. So I'm so excited for today's conversation with Miles. Friends, let me let me cue up the the cue the emotional music, Carlos. Boom. There it is. So Friends, you know what to do. Sit back, relax, and welcome my dear friend and your new friend, Mr. Miles Adcox. I have uh, Miles Adcox in the Human Hope Studio. Here we are. Buddy, you're sitting right across from me. I am. And we've seen quite a bit of each other recently, so. We, we've seen a lot of each other recently, but I don't know if I've even looked in your eyes mm. as long as I have the last 10 seconds, because mm. it, things are going, you know, there was so much to do. Yeah. Good clarification. We saw each other, but we were literally like yes. shifts at yes. events. Going yes. We're, we're, we're doing a lot together in the community, and you do a lot in the community. And I, you know, I've asked you to be on the this series on mental health because literally your work and the work that you help other people, the, the, the platform you've created for other people to do work to help people through seasons in their lives uh, was very impactful for me, has been very impactful for me. So I've already talked about it in the intro, but on-site is where I went to locate the spider in my life I needed mm-hmm. to kill. And if, again, if you're not, if you haven't read the book, Kill the Spider, I say a spider is an agreement with a lie and a cobweb is a medicating behavior. But I learned all this language when I went to on-site. Mm. And so let's just start here, Miles. Let's go rewind, rewind back. Can you just tell us, so I can point everyone to this podcast the rest of their lives as they DM me, tell us what on-site actually is. Mm. This is one of those moments where I wish <laughs> I had a uh, an elevator pitch because I know people will remember that and I've never been. No, no, no. I don't want an elevator uh, pitch. I want today's version of whatever's on your heart. Yeah. I'm more of, I get into the long form story because I'm so passionate yes, about it. Let's go. And, this is a podcast. So you get to give me long form <laughs> answers. But I've had so many great thinkers and creatives and, and marketers <laughs> and brand people come through the program and they're like, dude, you got to tell a better story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've already, listen, I've already told the story in my book. So, so if people don't understand it by then, but I want to hear it from your heart. Oh, you know? Thanks. 
honestly, at the end of the day, I think we're a space and a place that holds the energy for people to come pursue transformative life experiences. Mm. I mean, we're there for one reason and one reason only, and we believe that an emotionally emotionally well world where we can all Mm. reconnect and raise our self-awareness, which raises our empathetic disposition towards one another, just creates a better humanity. So we know from our corner of the world, which we've got a couple locations, but yeah. our main location is just west of Nashville here, that we'll, we probably won't be able to connect all those dots yeah. in my time. But I know if we can take care of the people in front of us, then it's going to ripple out. Yeah. And there's a lot of beautiful examples that people have come and shed what really didn't belong to them. We all pick up that stuff along the way. It's true. Just little imprints and things that we learn that uh, we have to unlearn. And we don't culture, we're all culturally conditioned not to go there until right. we're motivated by crisis. Right. And so we've tried to create this space. It's a kind of an emotional wellness retreat center where people can come for three days or five days at a time to just do a deep dive on mm. their story. And I think initially we were working with more people who were dealing with adverse life experiences or crisis or significant change. Sure. And we still support those folks. What's really been fun is over the years, it's kind of counterbalanced that once people get a taste of doing self-development work in a context to where they're not pushed or pulled, but they're just held and guided, then they come back for tune-ups and maintenance. And so now we get people that life's going quite well, and they're just like we take our car into the shop to get an old change. We just take our minds in and do that. If you haven't figured that you have an elevator pitch yet, whatever you just said was perfect. So just call, just play this portion of the podcast for anyone that ever asked because, because you did perfect. That was, I want to give you a round of applause. Well, thank you. That was, uh, that was so good. You know how you just described that as a place where you're not pushed, pulled, but you're held, bro. It, it, it made me take a breath because that is precisely what mm. I felt when I was there. Now, here's the really cool thing. I've done the program twice. And in one season that was in crisis and in one season when it, I wasn't in crisis. So I'm, you're literally explaining how I've experienced onsite and, and the program, the one program that I did, there's many programs that you guys offer. That's, that's what onsite does for people, but what has it done for you? Mm. What has it done for who you are? Well, when I found myself in my early 20s where everything on paper looked beautiful, it looked perfect. I had pulled some levers that the outside world would acknowledge and affirm me for doing at that age. Uh You know, I'll kick my coverage with a career and and everything should have been feeling good. And uh, for everyone else, it did look that way. For me, it didn't feel so good. I, I found myself when I would come home from... Uh, that career that I was lonely, was a little bit isolated. I wasn't filled up with meaning and hope and and all the things that you'd hope to get out of a professional pursuit. Yeah. I I was more at a deficit of it. So long story uh, short, I had a transformational moment where the right people came around me at the right time. Yeah. And it was a bumpy entry. You know, people think that if you need counseling that like any other profession, all counseling is creating equal and you just get online and sure. find one and you go see one. It's not yeah. that simple, especially right. when you come through all the filters that I've come through, which is, uh, you know, a man that grew up in the South and you got all these, all this stigma that it's not exclusive to this region, but yeah. it's kind of heightened here a little bit yeah. as opposed to other regions. So I had to work through layers of stuff where I would even open my heart to the idea that I might need support. Wow. wow. 
And so I, I almost gave up after bouncing off the guardrails. And then I finally found the right resource, which led me to the next resource, to the next resource, yeah. and my life changed. And I can't explain it in any other way than it felt like I had learned a whole new language huh. that I had been thirsty for a long time, and somebody just gave me a drink of water, and I was like, wow. Wow. Because I didn't, I didn't know the value of EQ, emotional intelligence. Sure. I didn't know the value of understanding and identifying feelings. All that seemed like a threat to me, mm. and it was dangerous territory. Don't go near it. And then once I got reintroduced to it, it, was just, it just changed everything. And so I knew at that point I wanted to get into this space and be a part of helping other people and yeah. guiding other people. And I worked in the crisis space in our world for a okay. while, crisis interventions, and then in residential treatment for substance abuse, eating disorders, and trauma, and wouldn't trade a thing about that, that uh, introduction yep. into the field. Learned so much. But I always thought that the door should be wider. Hmm. I always thought, you know, therapy and counseling seems to be branded all wrong. Yeah. We don't look for it or look at it as a resource until something's really wrong with us. Yeah. And I've said this before, it's not what's wrong with anybody, that you'd pursue a better version of yourself. Sure. It's actually what's right with you. Yeah. yeah. And so, I, but, but to me, that was part of raising my shame story, which really didn't happen until 10 years into my emotional recovery when okay. I started actually looking at the idea of shame and who I was. But what, what OnSite's done for me is I go once a year. As a as a guest, you do as a client, yep. Wow. And I've been in seasons where everything was stressed, uh -huh. whether it was leadership or marriage, and I've been in seasons when things were going really well. Yeah. And thankfully, more seasons have been going well lately, but not necessarily. I just I'm glad I've got a place to go uh, to pursue the best version of mm -hmm. me. So, I would say I somewhat chose mental health in the beginning probably chasing something by trying to fix others that I didn't know was broken in me. Wow. A lot of practitioners get there. Yep. Thank goodness <laughs> I landed on the deck face first a few years in. Yeah. <laughs> and some buddies picked me up and they're like, buddy, we got to slow down here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and somebody gave me the best piece of advice I probably received and I passed it on a lot as a good mentor of mine at the time that since retired. I asked him the question about how do you, I want to be in the space. You know, do I go get a uh, uh, double diplomat PhD sure. right now? Do I go do, when I was ready to go do all the things uh -huh. like right away. Uh -huh. And he said, the first thing is just take a breath. Yep. And he said, second, the people that make the longest lasting impact in this space, those that stick around the longest, and this part's the one that really got me, those that have something to show for it at the end of their career, i.e. a life. Wow. Are those that get a PhD in themselves. Whoa. And Bro. I know from that moment on, I thought, he said, so you're actually right where you need to be. And I was in counseling at that time. He said, <laughs> double up. This is human school. Go for it. Yeah. I, of course, I wrote down human school. And, yeah. and I know you've got the new book, which is awesome. But I, I'll say once I got reconciled and realized that as a practitioner, I still get to be a human. Yeah. I may be armed with all these tools. Yep. But given the right stress and circumstances, these tools go right out the window, just yep. like everybody else. Yep. But I know what to do in those moments. Yeah. When I get activated, my nervous system gets offline. I know how to ground myself and access those tools. And I probably am in it now because, and this may or may not, you know, there's probably some wise counselors that may say, but it really holds me accountable mm. to be congruent yeah. with what I believe in. Yeah. Not perfect because that's sure. a setup. Sure. But it holds me accountable to be congruent. And when I'm this close to people's lives that are changing and they're vulnerable all the time, I got to walk that walk. Yeah. And walking that walk's changed my life for the better. So that's what OnSite does for me. Well, you know, you you can't. I can't fathom you can just walk through campus. And even 
without hearing a story, just seeing the faces of people that are doing the work and not be like, okay, I got to keep doing the work. Like that is something that I think uh, nobody could walk through that campus and not want to do it because there's just an energy there and there's a healing that is coming off these people that is like, I want that too. Like it's an exhale. It's pretty, it's the environment alone. I, I, some people, depending on who I'm talking to, if they say, what do you do? I, I'll even say I'm in the hospitality space because oh. I love hospitality. Interesting. And I'm at that intersection of yeah. hospitality and mental wellness. Yeah. But people don't know that we, we do 75, 80,000 meals a year yeah. at, at one location. Yeah. And so I've got a it's good food too. I've, I've eaten there. We've worked hard at that. Yeah. But, and we don't have to do that. People don't come to onsite for food. They sure. come for world-class therapy, but it's really nice to surprise them yeah. and nurture them with the other elements. Yeah. So I really think we've kind of coined a term called healing hospitality. And I really think how we treat, nurture, show up, and care for people while they're with us has yeah. as much to do with their ability to transform as any sophisticated change tool we might put in front of them. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Human Hope is partnering with Green Chef. What in the world is Green Chef? Well, Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every single lifestyle. Here's the beautiful thing. My family has different lifestyles when it comes to eating and Green Chef for the Whitakers actually provides differences what we need differently for all of our different versions of eating. I'm eating way more paleo these days, way more kind of macro counting these days. Heather's just eating a lot cleaner these days. We've got some people on more protein and Green Chef makes all of this easier. There's options for everybody. Green Chef works for you, not the other way around. Now, here's a great thing. You get to celebrate summer with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. It is convenient and easy and will ship to your door. I love Green Chef. What you got to do is go to greenchef.com slash humanhope60 and use code humanhope60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Guys, that is amazing. 60% off. Go to greenchef.com slash humanhope60 and use code humanhope60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. You know, I think that mental health is something that more and more people are talking about. More and more people are are saying this is this is an important conversation. This is important to have. But I, I don't want people to. Sometimes I think, well, actually, no, not enough people are talking about this. Like you can say, like, okay, because this NFL quarterback is now talking about it. I still talk to dozens of people a day that aren't interested or don't think that they need to work on it. Or you said something earlier that I've, it's, I've, I've hung on to when you were talking about in your story, you felt threatened. I, f I feel like people feel threatened when they hear 
anything having to do with their mental health. Can you go back to what what was threatened and maybe what what are these people feel what what are people that are that push back against trying to go after healing in their mental health areas threatened by what what's the threat that people feel? It's a, it's a good great question. A lot of thoughts on it and I don't know how accurate they'll be but sure. from a philosophical standpoint I really believe that we were created to be with one another in a while that in a way that would allow one another to heal. Mm-hmm. And yet I think just like a lot of things we do as a as a species we yeah. don't we don't always get that right. Yeah. And I I dream one day that's why I always it's fun for me people say do you ever want to do anything else other than mental health or wellness yeah. on site and I was like absolutely. Yeah. Every day I dream about what's next or what could I do? Yeah. Cuz one day I really hope I work myself out of a job. Mm. I think it'd be so neat that if our living rooms, our boardrooms, our classrooms could create the same psychological safety as a yeah. counseling space. And then I think people's guards are come, going to come down and it's going to be easier and more normal and human to be able to have conversations. Yes. And we don't have to feel so guarded. But when people feel resistance towards vulnerability uh-huh. or sharing or airing their dirty laundry, yeah. per se, I think that's good instinct. Hmm. Because we live in a world where that's not widely accepted. Right. Now, I've noticed more people are doing it because it's trending. Yeah. And so you see a lot of speakers that have gotten, you know, vulnerable. And they maybe never done any work. At, uh, we say work, i.e. doing counseling, yeah. self-development stuff. May have never done any work, but they realize that's what people want to hear. Yeah. And I'm always cautious and want to work with those folks to, to slow down and make sure that the intent is right. Mm. Because we can get wounded in that way if we're not careful. Wow. So if I put myself out there because I think I'm supposed to, to somebody who wants to advise, fix, direct, push, motivate me to do something different. Yep. And that's actually counterintuitive to the healing process. Huh. So the first, no, no, don't get me wrong. If somebody's in cri- real crisis, we don't need to wait on a motivational interviewing technique sure. to help them. It's just <laughs> you grab them and pull them off a bridge. But, yeah. if, what, what, but for the most part, to believe that people innately have what they need to heal uh-huh. within them means there can be no dependence on me yeah. and I get to show up and just mirror for you mm. someone who can stand in this space with you and that trust that you have the tools. Yeah, Drives you crazy when you're in ambiguity and stuck because you want right. somebody to t- tell me what to do. Totally. Fix it. Yeah. But that's counter, you know, the reality is when we can put empathy over action yeah. and love over agenda yeah. and just be with people, then naturally we're wired to be able to heal mm. and to offload stress. But uh, culturally, we don't have that opportunity a lot. So I think that's why we typically yeah. resist it. And I think you're in, you're smart to recognize that, yes, I'm relieved that it's not pushing a snowball up a hill anymore like it was sure. 15 years ago. Yeah, It's it's becoming way more common. It's been pop culturized. It's mm-hmm. hip, sexy, and cool to talk about mental health. Yeah. But there's still the massive stigma uh, around yeah. actually doing it. Yes. And, and that's I, what I found. And I think we got to talk about that more. Yeah. yeah. People... You know, like they love when I talk about it. They love when I talk about going to see my therapist. Oh yeah, man, that's probably great. That's just a great idea. But man, the second, you know, there, there's there's some people in my life, they know who they are, who I finally said, hey, why don't I help you? Why don't I help you find somebody to talk to? Oh, the set, the second it became them, you know, and, and, and I understand the fear, right? Like I understand, like, I think there's a fear of, of talking about things that hurt, that hurt. Right, talking about things that you, 
that's the whole thing. We're trying to avoid pain. That That's just how, as a human, we're just, just all day long, I'm trying not to be hurt by something, if it's a door or if it's my feelings. And so we try to avoid that. But just to, for people to understand that, it's not a, it's not a place of that you stay. When, when you go, it's like, oh, let's find the pain and just stay there. No, you you go through it. Like, But you have to touch it in order to, to get through it. And it, it's hard. You know, it's hard for people to to understand that for someone that's listening, that's like, okay, thanks, Miles. I mean, this is this is amazing. This is onsite's awesome. Uh, I've read Carlos's book, Kill the Spider. His life was changed. He was able to, you know, get past all of his, you know, addictions and things. But I live in Paducah, Kentucky, and I, how do I even find somebody to help me with this? How do I even? I live in Idaho, and I, I don't. I, I don't know what to do. What, what's what's a good first step for somebody that is looking like, okay, I, th- I think I think I'm going to take the first step. What what can they do, someone that's listening to this? Well, it's, it, it, to me, it depends on what you're navigating in your life is yeah. what, in terms of what I would advise as a first step. If you're in some type of crisis, if you're yeah. uh, dealing with a mental health condition where anxiety is at a, anywhere from a 6 to a 10 or depression okay. is way up there, got suicidal ideation all those things are very common yeah uh, you're going you've got some you're heightened medicator drink too uh-huh. much alcohol something's incredibly disruptive in your life that's where i think professional support is the right first step okay but sometimes it requires a conversation with another person before you get to the professional support yeah so i always recommend first if you can find somebody that can listen yeah Just, and, and and sometimes we have to if you don't have anybody like that in your life yeah usually everybody has the one sure if you remember there's kind of a an experiential element that we weave into our programming that we sometimes refer to as like angel work or something uh-huh. and it's where who has been that person in your life was it a teacher was it a mm. coach was it a parent was it a grandparent yeah a friend who they were always the person you went to yeah. And they always saw you the same yep. in your mess and in your brilliance. They yep. always saw you the same. We usually have one, but I've met people that didn't. Huh. I've met people that didn't have that. So if you have that, I think share your heart and your truth with them. One yeah. of the hardest but most important things I think we ever do is say the unsaid to another human being. Yeah. And if you think, if you strip back, what do we do at onsite? We got a lot of, we're very action oriented, creative, experiential sophisticated facilitation and change tools but if you strip it all back it's we just come up with creative ways for people to say the unsaid Mm. speak their unspoken sometimes that's going back into their story sometimes it's current time and sometimes it's speaking into the future of what might be holding us back yeah so i would say start there and sometimes you might have to educate somebody and not educate but just invite somebody to say hey i've got to share something i've never talked to anybody about Mm. and would would you be willing just to hear me I don't know what I need yet. I just need to talk. And yeah. I'm not sure I need advice, but we, could I just share it? That's a great place to start. That's great. When it comes to trying to get professional support, that can be confusing. Mm, it really when, can. When you get on Google. Google? Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my goodness. It's overwhelming. <laughs> and people, most people are paying for those top spots. Oh, and, or, or or a headshot. Oh, I like their smile. They must be a great therapist. <laughs> a lot of people go to Psychology Today and scope the, yeah, and size them up based on the... And look, I, I would I would call, let's take it uh, old, old school. Yeah. A lot of people don't, because on-site is a great resource and it's not a resource for everybody. Right. And 
uh, it's we are we're actually a small operation, but yeah. we got a big reach, which is great. So a lot of people may hear this and be like, "I need to go on site," but yeah. then there may be time might not work out. Sure, might not be able to afford. Although we've got some foundation offer, options too yeah. that diversify our socioeconomic reach, but nonetheless, we can't serve everybody, and we might not be the right fit. Don't be discouraged, but don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, like I've got seven yeah. intake counselors that take calls all day that will never go to on site. Wow. And for free, yep. they will take your call. And if you say, here's what I'm struggling with. I need a therapist in Paducah, Kentucky. Uh-huh, can you uh-huh. help? And absolutely they can help. Wow. So that's one place. Yeah. But there's a lot of places like that. I'd rather have a third party reference yep. than I would a, a Google ad. Yes. So, and, and, but I can tell you if you're sitting at home and you've never picked up the phone, it can feel like 10,000. Oh, pounds. sure. <laughs> totally. That's why a lot of people like to go to Google. Right. And the better helps in some of the big outfits, yeah. they can be a good option too. Yeah. Yeah. But counseling now that it's virtual, it's uh-huh. available. Yes. And it's available at different cost points. Yep. Uh, so don't worry about what you're able to do with insurance or if you don't have insurance. Yeah. It's out there. Maybe a little harder to find, but yeah. people will help you find it. Yeah. You know, what? one thing that, I mean, I mean, it was actually just, I think a month ago. Uh, I mean, I just reached out to you. Like, like I was like, I've got a friend, you know, like, like that's just the thing, like, not everyone has miles in their pocket, but you have a friend in your pocket that you can reach out to and be like, can you help me find help? You know, can you help me find help? There, there may be people listening to the podcast right now that maybe walk us through your, your thoughts on this. They have someone in their family or a close friend that they know needs some professional help. They know needs, um, and without calling the TLC show intervention to have 45 cameras show up in your room and surround them and trick them into something. How can we talk to people that we love that are in our lives and present the option of getting help? Do you have any conversational starters or anything you can do to maybe guide somebody that's like, man, yes, I, my, my dad really needs to go to onsite. My dad really needs to go to where, but I don't know how to even bring it up to him. Mm. Do they need to, do they need to want it as bad as you want it for them? Like just a lot of people are, I think in this situation. Not necessarily. Mm. And, and somebody asked me the question and I'm going to, I want to answer this, but I think it's, it's relative to, to what someone asked me yesterday, which is somebody said, what's the, How'd they say it? What's the best boss you've ever worked for? Hmm. And in my mind, I just went, well, I wonder who's the best. Well, if I think about the best, well, who was the worst? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And I thought about what makes a good leader in Hmm. my mind. They're approachable. Yeah. And everybody, I thought about this. Everybody has worked for, everybody has been influenced by bad leadership. Absolutely. Nobody's escaped it. You know, everybody, and even if somebody having a bad day or yep. you've really been manipulated by bad leadership, everybody's had a bad leadership experience. And I think we assume because we've had some good ones that when we're introduced to a new leadership opportunity, that we're going to meet that in a non-biased, optimistic way, Right. looking through the filter of our best leadership experience so that we give you the benefit of the doubt that you can either match or make our leadership experience better as a follower. Yep. Yep. But that's not where our brain goes. It isn't. Our brain first goes to our worst leadership experience. And so it's a survival thing I think our mind does, which is quite interesting. In order to find safety, we first have to expect danger. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure, is this going to happen again? Are you safe? Can I trust you? So immediately we're thinking, 
Can you imagine meeting a new leader thinking about your worst leader? Right. And so I think we do that a lot with people and interpersonal relationships too. When we get stressed in a relationship, we think about when we've been burned the worst first, and it's hard to step back from that. So how does that inform me as a leader? I think the two most important skills are empathy and self-awareness and leadership. And trauma survivors have taught me this. I've Mm. been around thousands of them in my career, and they can read a room like nobody's business. Mm. Most likely because at one time their life depended on it. Wow. And they assume because they've been harmed, especially if they haven't done a lot of recovery work and they're just engaging with us. Yeah. And if I go meet them for the first time and they sniff an agenda Uh other than, then they will call it out in a heartbeat. Wow. So I've learned to to put the agenda on the back burner and first meet them as a human, as a person. Yeah. Like I am and in, in try to repair even a first impression because yep. first impressions have been dangerous. Same thing when somebody's in a place when they're struggling. So yep. if you've got a loved one that's struggling, then they're already guarded and in fear. Absolutely. And feeling bad about themselves. Yeah. So if we come in with the agenda to fix them first, help them first, even though that's there first, can we empathize with them? Mm-hmm. So the best way in I've ever seen is what can I identify and how can I relate to feeling stuck or overwhelmed? Okay. Now, if you're somebody that's struggling with alcohol, let's say, or, or porn or whatever it might be, and if I haven't had those experiences, a lot of times we stop there. It's like, yep. you're a chronic alcoholic. I don't need drink. Yep. I can't relate to that. Uh-huh. Well, it's take one step back and reflect. Okay. And that step back for me to reflect is... I wonder what it must feel like to be out of control and to have something that you can't stop Mm. to, because everybody's got some medicator that we struggle to regulate or uh, to feel insecure in a way that we'd want to numb an uncomfortable emotion. Mm -hmm. Hello, Amazon, Netflix, plug in the, you know, we've all All got it. it. Yeah. So immediately if somebody's in a spot, just stay struggle. Yeah. Nobody escapes stress and struggle. So if you can, if you can reflect on, I it must be tough to be struggling. Yeah. Wow. I am really sorry you're there. Boom. Start there. And let's yep. start trying to build a bridge before you go in and say, what can I do to help you? Have you thought about getting counseling? We need right. to talk, you know, yep. immediately yep. they, that's going to shut them down. Human Hope is pumped to be partnering again with Sundays. My dogs love Sundays. Why do they love Sundays so much? Well, not just because they can watch the Atlanta Falcons on a weekly basis with me. That's actually depressing. But because they love Sundays, the dog food, not the day. What in the world is Sundays? Sundays is healthy dog food that actually, actually, it's easy to store and easy to serve. Now, listen, it makes me feel great as an owner of a dog of a dog lover that I know that I'm feeding my dogs human grade food, literally human grade food. Sundays is air dried dog food made from a short list of human grade ingredients. Okay. It contains 90% meat, 10% vegetables, and 0% synthetic nastiness. All right. So besides USDA beef, all natural chicken, you're going to find digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger. And for big dogs like mine, they need, they got, they got like tummy problems and it really has helped with that. Sundays is convenient. Unlike other fresh dog food, Sundays is zero prep, zero mess, and zero stress. And it's also super affordable. Sundays cost 40% less than other healthy dog food brands because Sundays doesn't waste money shipping frozen packages. No, instead they spend it on what matters. Sourcing the best all natural ingredients for your pup. 
We worked out a special deal for our dog-loving Human Hope listeners. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Just give it a shot. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash humanhope or use code humanhope at checkout. That is S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash humanhope. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. Yeah, identify with them. Like identify and really empathize. let them and that's that empathy piece, right? That's mm. the uh and I think people are scared of that sometimes, you know. I think people are scared of being empathetic because yeah, I actually I actually saw some pundit use the word it's like suddenly empathy has become I'd say some some people are like, Oh, like we can't be empathetic because then we're we're losing our ability to think critically and so they ended up using the word or the phrase, don't fall for weaponized empathy is what I thought. And I just started laughing because I'm like, you can't weaponize empathy. Like we're, now we're trying to add a word to make empathy scary for people because empathy actually is probably going to be the thing that heals us all, you know? And so for the person that maybe may be scared to be empathetic because but Miles, like, I, I can't be empathetic with my cousin Blanca because she's just a knucklehead and there's nothing I can do to relate to, yeah, I've got my vices, but no, she, she's messed up. She's screwed up, you know. I just think that it's important for all of us to be able to realize that empathy is the thing that can lead us towards healing in these conversations. hundred percent. And you're right. I mean, you're where you heard that can be accurate too because sure. as these terms get more pop culturized yeah. and people are talking about them they can lose a little bit of their meaning uh-huh. and weight and it can and i i see a, a world now where it, there's a lot of hypersensitivity yes and i can tell you my theory on why but it's just out there yeah. in droves and that's where when people do get armed with some of the knowledge uh-huh. then if you're not careful you can misappropriate it yeah. i get that yeah yeah. At the end of the day, we don't need to dumb down that yeah. core concept of seeing one another yeah. and being with one another and yes. being able to have grace with one another. Yes. That alone can trans. And you're, you're right. I mean, you called it out. Family, when you've got that going on in a family, it's tough. Yeah. Because if likely their behavior has hurt me. Yes. And if I've been hurt by you, how could I potentially empathize with you yeah. in this moment? That's not my job. My right. jo- you, you know, you get help and come back and deal with me. <laughs> totally. And that's... That's really difficult. However, I think it can be vital. And one of the ways I've seen that be helpful, and I'm glad you brought that nuance up Mm -hmm. because I can imagine people heard that and it's like, you want me to first empathize with somebody? There's a, there's a uh, therapeutic modality that we use a lot. A friend of mine, Dick Swartz, put it together called internal family systems. And it's basically parts work that it believes we're all made up of different parts of self. Yeah. And rather than hyper-focusing on one part that may have resisted to change stuck behavior that's been harmful and hurtful and Uh say that's all of you, we say that's a part of you. Oh. There's also this part. Yeah. Can we talk to that part and pull it out and isolate it? Yes. And if you could look at people who are in pain and think about their pain or whatever they're going through has been hurtful for me, but you could say that's just a part of them. Mm -hmm. But there's another part of them that I know is loving and caring. They're in some type of pain. That's sometimes a more digestible way to try to build a little empathy. Oh, that is so good. The whole part of you thing, I got excited when you said that because I actually did some more work in my healing journey uh, through, it was a practice called, it was called heart sync, I think is, is the modality or the thing that it was. And it was syncing your heart back together because because we've shamed a certain part of us 
And what I found is a lot of behaviors that I was, like I was shaming, say 2010 Carlos, right? The 2010 version of me that destroyed his family, destroyed his life. I'd always say things like, oh, I can't stand, I can't stand that part of me. Or I, I don't want to think about that part of me. Well, that's still a part of me. That, that, that part is, and so I was like inflicting shame daily on that part of me that was still a part of my heart. So the work that I had to do was like, look back at that part of me. This is going to sound weird to people that haven't done anything like this, but apologize to that part of me, ask that part of me for forgiveness and holistically kind of come back together. Bro, it was so transformative mm. to my life for the parts of me to come back together. And so, yes. So as people hear you say that about, you know, parts of your heart and parts of who you are, it is very valuable work. Oh, that's, gosh, you bring up another great point in that it's probably the, when you, when you asked the very first question at top of show, you said, what is being around a place like onsite done for you? And that's just like, it continues to to give because you never stop growing, which is beautiful. Just like I said, trauma survivors taught me that, you need to go into every scenario and expect that it, you're you're in front of a human that's been hurt. Yes, yes. Because all humans, every single person, get hurt socially, relationally, and they're looking at you as a new person in their life through the filter of the person that hurt them the yes. worst. They're sizing up. Are you safe? Are you safe? Yes. And so, if you can just look at people like that, then immediately you can be like, huh? How do I just be Game a person changer. here? And that, that some people, that's one element of being trauma informed. Yeah. But if you take the scrub the pathology or clinical language out of it, right. it's if a if a person comes, this is a dance I do every day, and you just <laughs> described it beautifully. But if a person comes to me and in need of help, yeah, they're in a stage of change called pre-contemplation, okay. which is they're a, a, you know a few steps away from where I am, which is they've called me as somebody who can give them support. So yep. I'm in a stage called action. Okay. So in order for me to be able to join them then I have to leave what I know and join them in that ambiguity. Mm. And that's hard to do. And Very here's, here's why do. it's hard to do. Because if I'm over here, then I'm constantly trying to get them here. Uh-huh. And if they come over here, everything's going to be better. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> usually they will come. Huh. But that is my idea, not theirs. And we call that compliance, which is yep. the number one form of resistance and change. The fastest <laughs> way so you can good. get somebody to shut up is to do what they're asking. Yeah. <laughs> and, totally. and it makes me feel great. Right. I'm like, Man, look at this. We're here. But then they never stay. Oh. They always go back. And yeah. so the my job is to not try to push and pull them over here, or convince them. It's to leave this and go stand beside them. Wow. And the only way I do that, the reason I bring this up, is I have to be able to do that for myself every day. So in the morning, before I walk in here, even before I came in here, knowing that I like you, I trust you, you're a buddy, I like what you stand for, I shouldn't be nervous, but also I know you're a great communicator. Yeah. If you see you speak, I mean, you can just have people on the edge of their seat, which I love that gift about (laughs) you. And I'm doing your show. Yeah. And I'm ex- I'm honored to do this. But I walk in and I'm thinking, mm. I don't know anything. Wow. People are going to know I don't know anything. He has all kinds of oppressive people on his show. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. And so I have that quick thought as I get out of the car. Yep. Now, that's me in contemplation and ambiguity, pre-contemplation. Absolutely. I can do one or two things there. I can either say, come on, dude. We don't have time for this. <laughs> get out of the car. We know better. What are you doing? <laughs> or think about yourself if you're waking up and you have a big day. 
Yeah. And you think, oh, they're gonna this is the day they're gonna know I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, that's it, dude. And quit it, quit freaking spying on me, bro. <laughs> now there's part of us that either go back to ourselves in that and say, dude, it's all right. Yeah. Arm around it. We got it. Yeah. I, it's okay to feel that way. Or there's another part that bullies that part. Mm, says, yes. Get your butt over here. Yes. So in, in, I can empathize with people to the ability that I can empathize with myself. Wow bro and you know what's funny is this thing's so cyclical because miles will get out of his car and be like oh man i don't know i don't know if i can communicate what i want to communicate carl and carlos is thinking well miles is walking up here man like i don't i, don't need, I know nothing about what miles is but like I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna look like an idiot i'm gonna say something and so both of us are like not empathizing with ourselves as we're walking into the thing and then it's just a hot mess it's it's i just love that that's thanks for even you know, I think that's very applicable and practical, gives us handlebars, I think, on situations. I, I do want to touch on one more thing that you said that I think I would I would love to hear you unpack this. You talked about, because I think a lot of people feel this, and the second you said it, I was like, oh, he's right. We have a hypersensitive culture. Hyper, and, and you said, I have a theory on maybe why there's this hypersensitivity everywhere. Because it is true. It, it is, it's true on the north, the south, the left, and the right, the red and the blue, the... It's hyper, hyper sensitive. What's what's going on? Like a lot of people who look at uh, sociology and yeah. the study of people, I really, I'd love to blame it on COVID, you know, and <laughs> sure. I think that, I definitely think that was part of the catalyst that, yeah. that helped heighten it or yeah. illuminate it. Yeah. But I think it's been pending for a while. Mm. I think it's been churning for a while yeah. where culture that we inherited and that we try to nurture, which is the one we talked about, which has some great parts to it, uh -huh. but it's also got some deficits, which is let's don't talk about the hard stuff. You're right, right. And let's keep our, our guard up and just, that is not sustainable. Right. It's just not. At some point, I've never seen having set, you know, front row seat to thousands mm. and thousands of people every year, that always has a runway and yep. it's going to run out and it's compound stress just doesn't work. And yep. so if you've got systemic issues that yep. are not equal yep. and nobody's talking about it and it goes on for generations, then it's going to yeah. ultimately pop. And then you put us in a scenario as a culture to where we face the two things I believe the human brain, human brain fears the most, okay. which COVID put us there. When yep. we went into lockdown, we, the two things the human brain fears the most is an uncontrollable future, okay. which we don't know where we're going or what's happening. Right. And the second one is isolation. Wow. And we all got put in the same spot. Seriously. And so when we're there, we, the best of us can show up and the worst of us can show up. Uh -huh. And even when the best of us is, is there, we're yeah. even applicable to having stress be in the driver's seat. Instead yeah. of us managing stress, stress starts to manage us. Yes. That happens over and over again. So. I think when we've got acute stress, then uh, we tend to find our camps okay. that most align and agree with Absolutely. us because it soothes us. It helps us feel some sense of belonging yep. in a hyper-polarized, divided world. Yes. And it's hard to do civil discourse from a camp. Yes, it's true. And it's so easy to be in those camps now. Yep. We've got... I, mean, I have three things attached to my body that can put me in those camps, you know, right now. So, so what do we do? Well, I think in order to, to, to see something like hypersensitivity, cause yeah. I deal with it in my culture, you know, we've got 200 people that work with us and they're all creatives. And uh -huh. so they're like herding butterflies yep, and a lot of feelings. They're brilliant at what they yeah. do. Yeah. We talk feelings every day. Yeah, so yeah. put that in the mix. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> so you can imagine all the different, 
um, opinions and thoughts about how we could navigate some of the cultural and social issues that we see in and off of our campus every week. Yeah. And that creates some lively conversation. Yeah. And I'm hesitant. I, I want to say conversation and not debate. Sure. Because yeah. it doesn't always have to be a debate. Right. You right. can disagree in conversation without having a public debate. Right. And right. I, I believe in order to, first we have to acknowledge that people are a little bit more on edge, a little bit yes. more acute, and a little bit more hypersensitive. And that is due to compound stress. Yes. We've been, yeah. we were stressful. We're stressed about things that have been stuffed for a long time. And then we faced a, a common tragedy that yep. put everybody on the equal playing field. Yeah. It used to be, here's the camp of people who struggle right. in life. Here's right. the camp of people who's got it together. And then COVID was like, wait a minute, we're all going to struggle for a little while. Right, right. What does that mean? Uh-huh. Some more than other. I don't mean to, you know, there were some that had a lot more privileged Absolutely. position than others yeah. during COVID, but it leveled the playing field. So now to know, so I, I, I get this little microcosm, this experiment every week where uh-huh. I see, let's say we're starting a healing trauma program. Okay. It's a week-long intensive. Or we're starting a milestones, new clients okay. coming in. I know based on people who've gone through acute stress and adversity that they're going to be hypersensitive. Right. We right. know that. So we go in expecting it, and we're not thrown off when mm. they are. Yep. We know how to meet that and yes. what to do with it. So yes. how do we meet meet it? We don't really overreact to it. Ooh. Hold space to it, acknowledge yeah. it. We certainly don't m- want to match it. Sure. It's hard not to do. Right. But sometimes a, a hypersensitivity can be a guarded, protected experience. And it's not necessarily being defensive. It's just the way we might unconsciously guard ourselves. Yes. But it is resisting something because it's not allowing us to get very much conversation. Very, right. or, absolutely. And so we definitely don't want to meet resistance with resistance because right. we know what that creates. Right. Just a little bit more resistance. Yeah. <laughs> but but I do think as long as let's understand it. Yeah. Let's what does it mean to be hypersensitive? Right. Why am I so sensitive? Right. Let's read about it. Let's figure out where where is this coming from? Yes. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. I just went through this. They just went through that. That makes all the sense in the world why they'd be on edge. Absolutely. And then suddenly I can have a little bit more understanding, which Mm. gives me a little bit more empathy, which collects a few more dots, and then I can connect one. Yes. That's so good. I love that. I I could ask you a thousand more questions. And, you know, I think that you are... To me, it just you just feel like an exhale, man. Like like, and it, it is. Uh, so so you know. So whenever you get out of the car for your next conversation with a friend of yours that has a podcast, just know you know what I'm going to walk in there and he's going to be able to exhale or she's going to be able to exhale because that's what you literally bring me. So thank you for that. You know, thank you. And the show is called Human Hope. You give that to me. You give that to so many people, and I just appreciate you so much. Likewise, I, you know. Uh, and I've I, I got to say that I acknowledged earlier that I really respect what you do and how you use the influence that you you built and harness. But you you share that. That's mm-hmm. what's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not you're just not promoting all the things that the Whitaker crew and you're doing. Uh, like I, there are a lot of people that come get services like ours because you were willing to take a chance wow. and write about your story. So I got to say. You know, thank you for yeah. being an advocate for our work and just mental yeah. health in general. It yeah. means the world. Absolutely. And I'll say it again. I'll probably say it before the podcast and after the on my if you have the availability to attend any of the seminars or programs that Onsite puts on, it it is. It's it, you guys, the whole onsite is to exhale, man. Like you guys are just <sighs> I I just am breathing thinking about it. So thanks for coming and hanging out on Human Hope. I love you so much. Buddy. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Miles. Uh, you guys can find out more about Miles in the show notes, about on-site in the show notes. 
If you're interested in it, trust me, pick up my book, Kill the Spider. It'll give you a really clear, I think, healthy view as to what you can expect going to onsite. And I'm just so grateful for Miles and everything he is in my life. He's a great friend, but also he's doing great work. Let him know. Let him know. Hey, hang on. We're switching this up. Hang on one second. Hey, hey. All right. That's it. Another episode of the Human Hope Podcast. I love you, fam. Thanks for hanging out. We will see you next week on the, and you'll be part of my crew. Hey, that rap was really bad. Hey, one more time. This is Carlos and Diego de Gabriel Spanish Vocabel saying I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you're with me on this journey every single day. Thanks for listening. Please share and subscribe. See you next week.